so grateful for a God that I can depend on, right? If my God was like me, I would be in trouble. <laughs> if my God was like anybody I know, man, people fail us. We fail ourselves. I'm so grateful for a God that I can depend on to a point where I can't figure this out. Here's my burdens. I surrender all. He take my life. And what does he do? <laughs> he does the miraculous in our life. Amen. One more time, give praise to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. Well, this is a, this is a treat. I'm going to let you sit down. Um, you guys know we have Mark and Susan Mason of Life on the Verge here today, right? You guys know they're going to they're gonna be uh, doing what they always do, coming and, and making our ears bleed. And then when we leave, we're like really excited, right? We're like, oh, this, this is awesome. <laughs> we're going to tell all the other churches about that. Here's the cool thing about Mark and Susan Mason. A lot of you might not know that they spent time here as youth pastors uh, back in the 90s, mid to late 90s. Uh, and he was the one that inspired me and actually forced me to start leading worship and start being on the front line and saying, like, you can do this. Actually, you're going to have to do it because I'm not doing it anymore. So thank you, Mark. Um, in fact, we have so many stories about Mark Mason and Susan Mason in this place. And I was thinking about the, the video of the, the Biblical Counseling Center downstairs. Now, some of you, how many, raise your hand if you have never been downstairs in that part of the church ever, 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 ever. Right. Like, why would you do that? If you've been here for the past three years, you might not have ever been there. What's cool is we see, uh, uh, we see that place becoming brand new over and over again. And right now it's going to be doing that. I think it's going to be great that the Biblical Counseling Center is going to be a place for people to receive the counseling that they need and the spiritual growth that they need. But I think almost better than that, Mark, is I think we finally might clean out all the flour that we used in all of those youth games down there. So we, we might clean it out and there might be no silly string down there anymore. It might be brand new clean uh, because we're doing all the renovations. Does that make sense? So some of you can't get a picture of what that is. So we're going to show you what, what they looked like uh, and how they responded to our youth ministry um, back in the 90s. Watch this. forward to this morning, but I wanted to make sure that you knew uh, Mark Mason is with you this morning and he's a friend of mine for the last 25, 27 years and has had his fingerprints on Hope Community Church from all the way back then to even now. And one of the reasons uh, we're here in Concord, New Hampshire is because of a conversation with Mark. And so I want to thank you, Mark. Uh, for your investment in Hope Community Church and just um, excited about what God is doing. And we'll see you next week. Well, good morning. I tell you what, we're blown away by all this church is doing. It is a tree of life, isn't it? People are getting spiritual nutrition in uh, Massachusetts and Berkeley Springs and online. And, and uh, for those that don't know us, I'm, I'm going to show a video about what we do. I know there's a lot of new folks here, um, but we're humbled to have even played a small part 
in all God has done through this church. You know, Chris was actually one of our youth leaders, uh, and uh, we had we when we showed up here, they gave me 12 kids or gave us 12 kids and said, "Go do youth group." And it wasn't a very large church, a hundred or so people on a Sunday, and, but they had three vans. And so I said, okay, can we use those vans? So I tell people we sent them to the hood and the holler. And uh, we brought the rednecks from that side of the ridge and the boys from the projects on that side of the ridge. And, buddy, did we have a mess. It was a youth outreach center. If you went to church here, my advice was uh, caution on sending your kids to our youth group. Um, it took me a long time to realize that I was probably more of an evangelist than a pastor. I wanted to reach those kids that come from kind of a lifestyle that we had come from. And Chris kind of stumbled in the door, and, and that was the thing that attracted him was to be part of that. The problem was is I pushed myself into a corner. It was like, I can never leave this place because there is nobody that is going to be able to handle We had 100 kids of all walks of life, and they fought our youth leaders. They broke stuff. They damaged cars. They were just an absolute mess. And I thought, well, I guess we'll be here forever because we can't abandon these kids. You know, I had a friend of mine who now pastors a church of about 2,000 people. We based out of that church in Chesterfield, Virginia. I had him come preach while I was on vacation, and he had been in ministry a long time. I didn't go into full-time ministry until I was 32 years old. He went to Bible college, been in ministry a long time, had an organized youth group. He called me back after coming to our youth group, and he said, man, don't ever ask me to do that again. <laughs> but then Chris stumbled in the door, and Chris got in front of that group, and I, 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 just, I said, dude, you may take my place. You're the only person. I, not that I was looking to leave. I just thought, you know, I, I can never leave until God, I'll never leave these kids on the sidewalk. We brought them in here. We're going to do the best we can with them. And uh, I was just joking about it. And it took another three or four years before the Lord did lead us on. And Chris actually did take my place. And now he's your pastor. And he's such a gifted man. Him and the team around him. You have such gifted people in finance and construction and music and technology. It blows my mind. Well, I, and rather than spend a lot of time, we put together a short video uh, to show what is life on the verge and what we do. And so we can go ahead and play that, guys, if you want to. It's called What Is Life? What is life on the verge? Well, some people call us missionaries. Sometimes we use the term musicianary because we use music to build bridges and share the gospel. Still others call us an evangelism ministry. All of those descriptions fit, but we like to think of ourselves as a mercy ministry. You see, God has shown Susan and I so much mercy that we've made it our life goal to share that mercy with as many people as we can. We were once living in darkness, trapped in a world of sin and addiction. Both of us juvenile delinquents, arrested multiple times, kicked out of high school. But God rescued us, redeemed us, and restored us. He gave us a life we didn't deserve. He showed us mercy. In 2011, after 20 years of serving the local church as pastors, the Lord opened the door for us to play music with an outreach ministry at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in South Dakota. That one opportunity has led to over a decade of ministering in prisons, at biker rallies, bars, RV parks, and even places like the Lollapalooza Music Festival in Chicago and the Bonnaroo Festival in Tennessee. Of course, we keep our roots in the local church. And that's where you'll find us most Sundays. We thank God for the local church. It's generous people in the local church that send us on this mission of mercy. Life on the Verge partners have helped us minister to over 100,000 inmates in prisons across the United States. When prisons were locked down due to COVID, our partners helped us launch the Good Infection Project. That project continues to send quarterly shipments of books and sermon CDs to over 100 prisons from Florida to Alaska. Simply put, the mission of Life on the Verge is to entertain the crowd, edify the church, evangelize the lost, and equip people for the work of the ministry. We know that not everyone is called to go, but we can all be part of the mission. The great co-mission can only be accomplished when we cooperate. Jesus told us to go to the highways and the byways and invite people to come in. There are many people, you know some, friends and family, that will never come to a church building but the church can go to them. We want to thank you for sending us to them. 
Because regardless of what's happening in the world around us that's passing away anyway, the kingdom of God is still advancing. We invite you to check out Life on the Verge and ask the Lord if He would have you be part of the great team that sends us and keeps us on the field sharing this message of mercy. In the morning, every day, Lord, I need some well, there you go. You notice a lot of that video was shot right here because you have such great technology here. And the Good Infection Project is actually based out of here. We started that during the lockdowns and uh, continue to do that. So let's see if this technology works. We'll play a couple of songs for you. We, uh, we don't just, we play worship music, but we, we aim to entertain. To let you know what happens if we go into a prison, for example, and we say we're going to have an evangelism church service. We're going to get 10 guys, maybe 20. If we say we're going to have a rock and roll concert and we aim to entertain them, you can walk out and you can disagree with everything I had to say, but you can't deny we made you tap your foot and clap your hands and put a smile on your face in this nasty place that you have to live. Um, And so that's the kind of stuff that we write. And uh, this is off our album, Still Moving Targets. I wrote this for my South Carolina queen.
Yeah, so one of the crazy things that we, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about hope. I know you're in the Hope series, Hope Community Church, and you've been talking about hope, Chris tells me. And I believe we need to live with dreams and you know, desires, things that we're longing for, right? And we need to define those things the best that we can. Like, where's the next horizon? I tell inmates all the time, look, when we talk about dreaming and purpose, I mean, if it, if it doesn't biblically relate to somebody that's doing life in prison, then maybe it's not biblical at all. You know what I'm saying? So I tell them all the time, I say, look, God can use you right where you're at. I tell them, take a deep breath. Everybody do that. Take a deep breath. If God was done with you, he'd take that back. It belongs to him. So obviously God has purpose for our lives and he wants us to use the imagination he's given us to dream of where's the next horizon and getting into my message. But so this weird, we did an open mic thing. We played, we, our, our band name is the Plunders, okay? And not the Plungers, the Plunders. Not the Plunderers, the Plunders. I don't know, I thunk it up. My son said it was cool. He's real cool. So I said, let's keep it 10 years ago or so. So we used that and we would go out and play with... Sit in on blues jams around town in Richmond, Virginia, where we, where we live. And, but we've never gone out and booked the plunders as an act you know, in a bar or something like that. I've played with other people, and, and there's been plenty of time in my life when I never should have done something like that. But I got my wife with me now. I know why I'm there. I used to have rock star brain, if you know what I'm talking about. Now it's just about, I love how music can change the atmosphere of a room. So we decided last summer, we're going to go do this little open mic. We were eating in a restaurant, tiny little bar, pub place in Chesapeake, Virginia. And the waitress was waiting on us. I said, do you have live music here? And she said, yeah, but it's kind of hard to get in. But you could come out to our, our open mic night and try out. Well, I wasn't really applying for a job to come in and play, but it stuck with me. Let's go do the open mic. So we went in there and we did the open mic. We got up and, and played five songs. And there was at least a dozen guys doing great, good people and good musicians playing. And no boast in us, okay, but we lit the place up a little bit, right? Um, people turned around from their drinks and they got engaged. They, they, uh, we felt the atmosphere change, but I honestly felt it was the Holy Spirit. Susan and I have been married for 41 years. Look, we played the Allman Brothers. We, we played Eric Clapton. We played Chris Stapleton. We didn't play any. We played cover songs, all cover songs. But I cho we choose those songs very selectively while we do them. But I think they could feel something. And then uh, at the end of it, somebody came up and said something. And I said, yeah, we, we spend most of our time playing in, in prisons. Well, that just lit up a whole group around us. What? You're in prisons, you know? And we didn't have to be weird about sharing our testimony, you know? Like, I was here to play music, but if the Holy Spirit wants out, where you show up, he shows up. You know what I'm saying? And so, on the hope, one of the hopes that we have is to do more of that and see where it leads. Where it may, so, we ended up getting scheduled. Get this, okay? We're playing three hours of music. That's a lot of songs for $150. But we're not going there for $150. We're going to see who we might meet uh, that may never come to church. That maybe it's somebody's backslidden son. It's somebody's dad that's been off the rails with alcohol and that kind of thing. And so, uh, anyway. All right, we can do one more song for you, and then we'll move on. This is off our album, Speak Easy, I think. There's two of them out there. Uh, and it's all on streaming. But anything you buy at our table out there, or really we say it's a donation, it goes straight back into the ministry account. And we take a salary, whatever it takes to get along from that. This is a song called Dragons. Um, Written, my mother went through nine years of um, domestic abuse. It's not necessarily about her, but we know that's a common problem. Maybe some people in this room have dealt with it. It goes over very well in women's prisons.
Check, check. There we go. All right. Well, just before we go any further, we've got a couple of things on the table back there. One is a book that I wrote a couple of years ago called um, Thrival Mode, Using the Power of Vision to Ignite Your Passion for Living. And it covers, uh, Susan, look what you did to me. Um, but uh, yeah, it's got a little bit of our story in there, but the idea of living with vision, right? If your life sucks, you think your life sucks, your job sucks, everything sucks. Well, what is your preferred future? What is it in detail? I got news for you. Chances are I turned 60 in August, and so far nobody's come knocking on my door and said, here, let me make your life great. God gave us an imagination, opportunities, experiences, and says, put it to work. The same, he's willing to help. He wants to cooperate with us, right? Uh, most of us in here probably have children, and we don't dictate and tell our children everything they must do. We expect our children to use initiative and use the principles that they learn from us and create a vision for their life. And so anyway, that book's out there. Our CDs are out there. Gee whiz. Um, there's two of them, uh, and then there's these necklaces that we started. This We adopted the um, Tree of Life as our logo. I'm actually going to talk about the Tree of Life a little bit today. Um, 
It's just a, I tell people if, if your life doesn't at least create some curiosity about who Jesus is, hmm, check yourself. You ain't got to be weird about it, but little things like that, like the, hey, I like that necklace. That can open up a conversation. These rings I wear every time I'm here when we go to prisons and all, that's what it's for. It's like, you know, maybe it'll open up a conversation. And uh, I tell people I wear them in prison because they won't let me carry a weapon or pepper gas or anything. And uh, I'm too scared of tattoos, so, you know, really. So I wanted to talk to you today. Uh, oh, I had these. Is there a couple of guys here that I could borrow, like ushers, kick it old school and pass these out? We were going to put them on the chairs. Come on, Lee. I see you. You got it in your heart. Somebody on this side, come on. There you go. This has got our contacts and our QR codes on it. One side is our ministry. Give some to him. One side is our ministry. The other side is uh, our band. We kind of keep those separate on purpose, but if you go to our band website, you get connected to Life on the Verge and vice versa, right? So um, just by virtue of review so that you know what you have been a part of over the past, I went ahead and went back 21 months because it's been a very active 21 months, but you helped us put on 61 prison programs uh, in Florida and Mississippi. Uh, which has been absolutely, what that looks like many times is just Susan and I in tracks. But this year and part of last year, we were able to go in with a full band, which is relatively expensive uh, to do that, to provide lodging and help people out and that kind of thing. But why do we do it? Well, I tell people with, with, with prison ministry, Susan and I could walk in with an acoustic guitar and a Bible, and that's prison ministry. Talk about Jesus and sing Kumbaya, and there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people doing that. But God has put it in our potential to bring a whole sound system in, to bring bands in with qualified musicians, and put on a big show. And part of it is a declaration of value over those that feel worthless. That's part of it. Um, people act out in anger when they feel worthless, when they feel like they don't matter. And so it's to somehow breathe some hope. That's why we do it that way. So we were able to do that. We put on 61 prison events and about 20 church services, a few secular events. We were able to bring in 12 new volunteers. A lot of our work, most of our work, we've done quite a bit of work in prisons out in Montana because we were doing the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally for 10 years in a row. And... Uh, We've done them in Virginia, but where the doors are open wide, remember COVID shut everything down. April 2021, Florida prisons went, here's the red carpet, come on down. And so everybody else was still shut down during that time, but we were able to get back on the road. And so we've done a lot of work in Florida. We've been able to engage some more volunteers uh, to bring uh, out with us. And as mentioned, we're doing the, the Good Infection Project. So we send, we put together sermon DVDs. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes, matter of fact, Pastor Chris's sermons go in there every, every quarter, every three times a year. We're doing it now, I think. Um, and then books from ministry partners. We send those directly to the prison chapel library. And no, I, I, I guess just about every prison we have been to in Florida, someone has come up and said, thank you. Thank you for sending those resources in. One girl came up to us and said, I've been teaching that whole series that you sent us, you know, to a group of inmates. So that's impact you're having that you don't, you don't see. Uh, but you're having that impact. So thank all of you that volunteer to help out with the Good Infection Project, by the way. Um, I, one of the coolest things that we got to do this year um, is we got invited by another ministry that's been doing prison ministry for many, many years. There's a prison in, in, uh, Actually, it's below Clarksdale, Mississippi. Anybody knows anything about the blues? It's where B.B. King and Albert King are from. It's, it's the Delta, right? There is a prison there called Mississippi State Prison. It's also referred to as Parchman Farm. It, I describe it as 28 square miles of pure misery. It's a massive cotton plantation. When you go in the main gate, there are 11 separate prisons. Things got so bad there. There were a, over 100 murders a year in prison. And you might think, oh, well, those scumbags, you know, well, if they did this. Well, yeah, if your son got busted for drugs, he doesn't deserve the death sentence when he goes to prison. You know what I'm saying? So the exciting news is there was another prison in Louisiana called Angola State Prison. It was famous as being the most violent prison in the United States until a man named Burl Kane became the commissioner about 20 years ago, or the warden of Angola about 20 years ago. And uh, he opened 
the doors wide for ministries to come in there. Today, Angola is a model that other prisons are trying to mimic. There are eight church buildings on the grounds of that complex, Angola. There is revival. There's all kind of work programs. It is a model that others are, are looking at. So back to Parchman Farm, which is a similar place of misery. And, uh, I mean, if you go on YouTube and search Parchman Farm, you can see it's in the Delta, so the water rises real high when it rains. In the cell blocks where the men lived, the water was, you know, this deep. Snakes in the water, electrical wires bare, the food was rotten. I mean, it was really bad, like something from overseas in a third world country prison. So the rapper Jay-Z and another rapper threatened to sue the state of Mississippi over the conditions there when an inmate got, somehow got footage out, um, and it got on YouTube and all that stuff. So in response, Mississippi went out and hired Burl Kane to be the commissioner of all Mississippi prisons. And the first thing he did was, let's get some ministry rolling at Parchman Farm. And so for five weeks, our friends planted their RV inside the prison complex and had ministries come and do ministry in that place. And we had a packed gym every night and they had every walk of life. The gang guys would come in there because they never got anything like that. So transformation is happening at Parchment. Jay-Z dropped his lawsuit, by the way, because of the changes that are now happening. I've got another clip, just a piece. This is a documentary that's being done about uh, what happened at Parchment last March is when they did that. Just a little piece. Field ministers escort the men to each block of Unit 29. They introduce themselves, pray with the inmates, and share short stories. Some of the inmates even showcase their musical talents. concerts occurring over the weekend. Friday night's featured band is Richmond, Virginia-based duet The Plunders, headed by Blues Hall of Famer Mark Mason and his wife Susan. I got a real bad feeling that my baby she don't love me And in true Freedom Initiative 23 fashion, Bobby McGee delivers the evening's closing remarks, punctuated with a prayer. Yeah, those of you that give to Life on the Verge, the thing that excites me almost more than ministering to the inmates, that drummer that you saw there drummed for Tommy Two-Tone, 8675309 for 20 years. He played with Don Henley. He's played to a packed Wembley Stadium. The other guitar players are professional musicians, and they're sitting at home on their couch with nothing to do, not realizing how impactful their gift could be in an environment. So they did quite a bit of touring with us last year. But it is relatively expensive because here's what I believe. Um, I believe that men of that quality not only deserve to have their hotel, they not only deserve to have their meals, they also deserve to be paid for what they're doing. And so we try to pay them the going rate for musicians to say, you're valuable, what you're doing is valuable. If they give it back, and sometimes they do, that's great. But we don't want to presume upon that because if you, if you, you, you get what you pay for. Isn't that the way it works? And so anyway... I want to talk to you today. I, I read uh, just for a few minutes, just ramble a little bit here. I'm not super organized sermon. Just going to share some thoughts. I have a, a podcast. It's called Hope Signals. If you go to lifeontheverge.com, um, you can find it there. Or you, it's called Hope Signals. You can find it on Spotify or all that stuff. And if you'd like to hear more of my lovely voice just rambling, then you can tune in there. That's what I'm going to do today. Um, it's just a way that we can get back to our, our donors. I, I, I saw an article this past week um, on one of the news channels that said the number one killer and reigning champ of death for adults in America is still 
heart disease. That's what's killing people more than cancer, COVID, all these other things that people die from. But heart disease is still number one. It made me think about a different kind of heart disease. In Proverbs 13, 12, this is a verse that just sticks to my heart for many, many years. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And that word in the Hebrew, when it says the heart, it means the inner man, the mind, the will gets sick when hope is deferred. I just thought of this this morning. There's three things that Paul said would survive everything. And that is faith, hope, and love. So hope is critically important to our lives, but you can't take, you can't have a faith without hope. So faith and hope are intertwined. We know Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I love the New Living Translation says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of the things that we cannot see. A little bit more about faith. It tells us in James 2.20, faith without works is what? Somebody tell me. Faith without works is dead. And so faith always has to be accompanied by works. But hope is what motivates it. James 2.18, James said, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith with deeds. Now, why is all this important? Well, it tells us in Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is how we please God. When we trust, that word faith, by the way, it's a Greek word, almost everywhere you find it in the New Testament, and, and it means trust. I trust God enough to take this step, to, to step towards this thing, to believe God that my hopes can come true. Um, so at least four things we know about faith. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. We know that from scripture. Um, it, we hear anything is possible. Jesus said anything is possible with God. Do you believe that? Anything is possible. God can take a little rural country church sitting on a hill in Hedgesville, West Virginia, and blow it up and start touching the world all over the place, far and wide, can he? He can do the impossible. And, and so we hear the word and, and then faith is demonstrated by what we do. That shows you you have faith by what you do. Uh, faith, the things that we do please God. We also know this, that faith is quantifiable. You can have, oh, ye of little faith, or I've never seen such great faith in all of Israel. So faith is something that we can grow. So the question this verse asks, um, well, faith is preceded by hope. It's the things that we're hoping for. You're tracking with me here? It's the thing I hope for, so therefore I'm going to have faith to do something about it. So this verse, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That means when, when you have a hope to do something and you, you, you never act on it, you just bury it, you let go of your dreams and your desires and your longings, you're going to get sick. Your inner man's going to get sick. And, and so when we see this scripture, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is... Uh, a tree of life. I'm getting, getting sidetracked here. Talking about faith um, and the, the role faith plays in it. There's two types of faith that the scripture talks about. Saving faith. Okay. That's the faith that says, I believe I'm saved by what Jesus did on the cross. But then there's mountain moving faith. And that's kind of what I'm talking about here with dreams and desires and the, the, the deepest cry of our heart, what we would do, what we want to do, what we're believing God for. Saving faith causes us to worship even though we know what we did last night. Right? We know we sinned against God. It know, you know, when we, when we rocked up to church and we just had a blowout argument with our spouse and then we step into that magic zone between, uh, blah, 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 cussing each other out. Then there's this magic zone between your car and the front door of the church where, how you doing this morning, brother? You know, um, but we end up lifting our hands in worship and asking God to forgive us for that's saving faith. Saving faith causes us to confess our sins and trust God that even though we die, we live. But mountain moving faith, that has to do with the desires and the dreams and the longings of our heart. And we've seen so many things come true in our lives that it just blows my mind. What we're doing today is something that I had a longing for and a dream to do, um, it, I came to Jesus in 1982. I'd been playing rock and roll all my life, and I could never separate sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know, but, yet, but I had a heart. I, I led worship many, many years and, and played church, church music, 
But it was like, I want to go deep sea fishing for where I, where I came from and reach people that I know they, they don't care. They don't care if Billy Graham's preaching at your church. They ain't showing up. You know, they do not care if United is there, Elevation Word. They don't give a rip about none of that. That's for edifying the church. They ain't coming for that. I want to go reach those guys and explain to them the gospel makes more sense than you would think, you know, and how it changed my life. And so this was a longing that we had for a long time. And we've just seen so many crazy things happen. Um, those of you that follow our son, I don't know if you know who he how many of you know who Matt Mason is? I'm just curious. A few of you guys. Well, Matt's he's got a couple of alternative rock hits. He's making a, a pretty good living as a bona fide rock star, I guess. Um, if you heard a song called Hallucinogenics um, or Cringe, those were his two big songs. Just pushing past the limit, tripping on. How many of you heard that song? Tripping on Hallucinogenics. Nope, nobody here heard it. Well, tune into your alternative rock station and check it out. Be a fan. But he he went from playing prisons with us to putting two songs on YouTube getting signed with Atlantic Records and, and has made a career out of it. A miracle. He never went on The Voice. He never went on uh, any of the talent shows. He never played the bar scene. It's just crazy. And it's just a, a byproduct of acting on faith, the things that you're hoping for. What can you do? We could never do that for our son. We could never position him to do that. But we could do what we could do. Do all you can where you are with what you have, and God won't leave you where you're at. It's one of my favorite statements of life. What can I do? So back to this idea that if you don't do it, you're going to end up with a sick heart. And some of the symptoms of a, of a, of a, a sick heart is you can tell if you've got a sick heart is if you're jealous of people instead of for them when they succeed, when something great happens in their life. If that jealousy creeps up and makes you jealous of them, it's because you're not going after your own dreams. If you're sitting at home and griping and can I say the word bitching, bitching about what you see on TV. All right. At the news, everybody, you watch too much cable news, which, by the way, is not really news. It's just it's just crime and politics. Um, if, if that's your life, you're probably you probably got a sick heart. You probably buried dreams and never took a step and and, and did what you could do. And so that's one of the symptoms of a sick heart. You, you buried your dreams and you're hypercritical of other people that chase theirs. You suffer from passion deficit disorder. I talk about that in my book. You have no passion for life. Every day is just humdrum. You don't feel like getting up. You're not excited about what you're doing with your life. Well, again, nobody's going to knock on your door and say, let me make it all better for you. God has given us great potential, things that we can do to see him move. And it only takes a little bit of faith sometimes. Uh, uh, it could be a phone call. It could be filling an application. It could be making a decision to finally dig up that old dream or that thing you've longed for. Maybe you've got a sick heart. You need to start acting by faith. What can you do? I, I mentioned in my podcast recently, I used to think, man, God's did so much for us. How dare I ask for more? That's almost a false humility. God's did so much for me. How could I ask for more? Do any of our kids think like that? Do they come to us? You've done so much for me, mom, dad. I could never ask you to do another thing. No, we want them to come to us, don't we? Especially when they get grown and they get older. You know, we want to feel like we have per Well, God wants us to come to him. It's, you know, we hear the scriptures, Psalm 23, 1, that says, um, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and I was like, oh, I don't, want to, I don't want to be always wanting God, always asking for more. Well, the, the correct interpretation of that scripture is, God is my the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in need. That's the promise of scripture, that God will meet our needs. But it's okay to have dreams and desires and wants and things that you pursue. So that, that scripture asks the question, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? I, I frequently, I, I, I tell people, look, if I walked up to you and I had a check for a, a million bucks, you know, and I said, look, I'm going to give you this, but you're going to have to tell me exactly how you, what you're going to do with it. Show me your business plan. Show me what you're going to, you got to do that at a bank, don't you? Right. But we sometimes think that, that provision is the problem, but vision always precedes provision, a dream, a desire that always comes before provision. You're seeing that take place in your church. You know, as, as, as Pastor Chris and the team and those that are involved in the leadership are stepping out in new directions, the provision isn't always there, but enough to get going, enough to get moving. And how critical this is. This is so much more important. Faith, hope, and love, they last forever, right? Well, when you talk about your life bearing a tree of fruit, that's the motivation should be, or tree of life, should be love. That other people can look at my life and somehow be encouraged and be edified and even be glorified in my death. Somehow my life would be a tree of life. 
And it can be so critical. I, I, I got accused recently at a church where I spoke, actually our home church. You know, I, I don't get too many negative emails. But this joker sent me the meanest email I have ever gotten in over 30 years of ministry. So much so that if he was in my church, I would have confronted him and asked him to leave. He threatened to leave over the message because he said, all you did is get up there and talk about what you are doing and blah, blah, blah. I said, well, we're, we're missionaries. We're supposed to come in and talk about what we're doing, you know? And so I'm not sitting here trying to say, look at me and look at all. I'm humbled by what God has done in our lives with the little bit I had to offer him and still have to offer him. So how this plays out and, and how God just has a sense of humor. I... I Lifted this very guitar. This is Ginger, by the way. Ginger's been around a long time. I bought Ginger in 1981. I had to hock my granny's TV and borrow $15 from Susan to get it out of layaway. It's still got my Budweiser belt buckle scars on the back of it when I was playing Leonard Skinner and all that. And Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and all that stuff. Um, I lifted that very guitar on my knees, this long-haired little punk. No education, kicked out of three high schools, no future, dad into prison a couple of times, just coming from a bad side of the tracks. I lifted it to Jesus and I said, Lord, I've used this for all the wrong reasons. I want to use it for you. And you know, over the years, I'll admit my heart got sick at times because I could never see, I was getting to use it in church and I love that, but it just wasn't quite what I had in mind, you know, and, and, and I was about to give it all up in 2006. Um, I'd been writing songs and then I, I, you know, I started raising up young people and I just wasn't even playing music. We weren't doing any music on our own. We were just helping younger people learn how to play instruments, be the worship team and all that. I was, we were the pastoring a church. And, uh, and we thought the next logical step, okay, is to go plant a church. That's what you do. We've been youth pastors, young adult pastors, worship pastors. Well, the next thing you do, if you're trying to get out there and kind of do your own thing is you start your own church. So we put a year of research into launching a church in Charlottesville, Virginia, and a lot of students there love young people. We want to go. So I, I mean, we went up there dozens of times, rented a building, got a team together from the church we were in that was going to help us do it. We are ready to pull the trigger. Did some soft launch services. This is obviously the next thing. So my dream of doing what I really wanted to do was kind of being put to bed. I was going to sell off all of my music gear except maybe Ginger and another guitar. And then we were selling fireworks for to raise money for the youth group and sitting in an RV in Fredericksburg, Virginia, raising money. But I got the Sunday off to go to church, go back to the church. I go to the church. And this joker gets up, there's a special guest, and he's 10 years older than me, and he's playing blues rock, and he's showing prison videos, like what I just showed you, of what, what he does. And I was blown away. I was like, I'm not too old, look how old he is. He's still out there doing it. You know, I had rock star brain for a long time, like, oh, if I can't be a rock star. No, it wasn't about that. It was like, he's getting to go out and do that. I want. So I would probably, you know, stalked him a little bit and became weird on Facebook and everything. I bought his book, Don't Take Your Dreams to the Grave, and uh, his name is Jimmy Bratcher. And uh, oddly enough, Jimmy Bratcher this morning, he lives in Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, he's a He's way out in front of us musically, professionally, and all that stuff. But uh, over the years, he became one of my best friends. I talk to him probably once a week. We share ideas. We, we didn't, we dropped the ball. We, we set the church in Charlottesville down. We said, we're not going to go start something that we have a question because all of a sudden God is pricking this dream in my heart again. And I don't know how in the world you do that, how you get started doing that. I got no idea. Um, but we, I just can't go start this if I don't think we're going to finish it. So we ended up working for Wave Church in Virginia Beach. We planted their Richmond campus. And uh, in the, over the next five years, I developed this relationship with, with uh, Jimmy and a couple of other people that we learned how to launch a nonprofit, how to do what we're doing today. And it blows my mind. It, I was going to say Jimmy's from Kansas City, but this morning, Jimmy is at Airborne Church in Martinsburg. Isn't that crazy? It's absolutely crazy. And you know what? He wouldn't know the pastor of Airborne Church if it wasn't for me, Kevin Green. It was just, just so wild over the years how this longing has... It, 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 and so what I'm saying about what Jimmy did, because he, by faith, 
acted on the thing that he hoped for. He also was an associate pastor that almost planted a church, but in his heart was to reach people outside of the church. And because by faith he acted on the thing that he was hoping for, his life became a tree of life. And I pulled a piece of it off and took a bite of it and it gave me life. You see what I'm saying? So the fact that it's not just about you, faith, hope, and love. If love is the motive, Lord, how can my dreams somehow demonstrate your love for other people? God wants us to dream and dream big, man. And it it ain't got to be platform ministry. It could be a business. It could be something within the church. What is it? You know, that it could be to make enough money to be able to finance this or do that for God's kingdom. Or it could be just to raise a, a godly family. You know, we hear this thing uh, people say all the time. Bill Bright made the, the phrase popular um, that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that's true. But it can send people on a wild goose chase looking for their passion. Have you heard that? Find your passion and you'll never work another day in your life. Hog wash. I'm we're loving my passion. I've never worked harder in my whole life. But the word passion comes from the Latin word suffer. And it asks this question, what are you willing to suffer for? That's your passion. What are you willing to suffer for? Those of you that have raised families, you know, sacrifice might be a better word. What if you know you've had to sacrifice to raise your family, to keep them in the house of God? You know, you've had to sacrifice things that you wanted to do. You know, we sacrifice today with the ministry that we do. Your dream is going to require sacrifice. Count the cost. But that's where your passion's at. Let me pray for you real quick. Lord, thank you that you're always birthing new ideas and new dreams. You gave us this awesome thing called a brain and an imagination. Lord, there are people in here, I believe, that are going to pursue things with their lives. And their lives are going to become a tree of life. If anyone is in here that has delayed or put off their hope and they've not acted on it. God, we can sometimes only take baby steps. We can only offer a, a grain of mustard seed. But we can do something by faith in the direction of the thing that we're hoping for. And that's what I pray for this church and every person here this morning and those that are watching online. That if you buried a dream, it's not going to happen overnight. It may take decades, but you can do something today that demonstrates to God that you have faith, that you trust Him, that if you'll do your part, God will take care of the miraculous. In Jesus' name. One more time, your head's bowed. If you're here this morning and you're not where you need to be with Christ, we tell inmates this all the time. Just keep seeking, keep pressing in, keep talking. If you're dealing with condemnation, you know, you think you're not good enough, newsflash, you're not, you never will be. That's why we need Jesus. You think that you, you, you've got too much sin in your life for God to bless you? Forget about it, man. When you receive Christ, you believe that what He did on the cross was for your sins. He paid the penalty, and you begin to approach God through what Jesus did on the cross. He doesn't see your sin. He sees His holy child, and He wants to bless you. So shake that off. Shame off you if that's on you today. If you haven't made a commitment to Christ... Look, you don't come to Jesus when you want to. You come when he calls you. And you know, if you're backslidden, you're not where you need to be with God. You're fighting God. Don't come till you're ready to surrender because it ain't going to work. But if you're ready to surrender all, God accepts full responsibility for any life completely surrendered to him. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Bless y'all.